Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this conversation. I'm uh, My name is Josh Needham. I'm the arts and design director here at the church. And we've been going through next steps. And that's probably how you found this, uh, this conversation. We uh, basically wanted to record a little bit slower, uh, more detailed conversation around the Holy Spirit. And so I have Pastor Zach here with me. Pastor Zach, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Let's kick things off with just a discussion about who the Holy Spirit is. So what would you say is is a great is a good foundation for us to have whenever we start talking about the Holy Spirit and trying to to figure out who he is? Absolutely. It's a great question. Uh, it's a question that uh, I know um, means different things to different people. What I've found in in pastoring people uh, over the um, past uh, this year is actually ten years of wow. being involved in some kind of pastoral role in people's <laughs> lives. Uh, so what I've found in in ten years worth of time, especially in regards to the Holy Spirit, is there are so many questions around the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. Um, and I feel like what you just asked is is a great place to start and just who or what <laughs> right. uh, is the Holy Spirit. And I love that you said who and not and not what, um, because I feel that in that it really is helping people understand that when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about a person. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about um, the third person of the Trinity or the Godhead. Um, and the Holy Spirit is not a uh, cosmic force uh, or some type of, um, you know, energy that's just lingering out in the universe. And uh, we did a, a fairly good job. I think we did a good job of, of summarizing that in the Next Steps video. Um, but I think kind of just to go a little bit deeper in the conversation here today, um, we have to be able to, in our minds, not disconnect what we know about Jesus mm-hmm. and what we know about the Father from the Holy Spirit. Right. Like he's consistent with the character of Christ and with the character of the Father. So in whatever way, uh, you know, we connect individually in our lives with Jesus, whatever way individually we connect in our lives with the Father, we need to be able to connect in that same way with the Holy Spirit. Right. And in talking with people and pastoring people, it seems like um, everybody has one of the three that they seem to connect with a little bit easier than the other. Um, whether that's in a time of prayer or if that's in a time of, of meditation, however they, throughout their day, through the scriptures, whatever, base their interaction with God, um, especially mentally, there's usually someone on the other end of that prayer, on the other end of that scripture, on the other end of that meditation, that worship that they're seeing and that they're connecting with. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, a lot of times the picture we have is a really vague one. Right. It's right. just like a, a mist uh, mm-hmm. um, and you know, fog, and we really don't know what's going on. And and I was, and as I found, this probably, uh, I don't know if this is the right place in time to to say this. I'll just <laughs> I'll say it, and then you can edit it or clip it if it's not. But what I found in talking with people, um, and this is something that that has um, proven itself true uh, and tested the test of time for me. A lot of times, I have found that um, you know. People have a hard time connecting with one of those members of the Trinity, typically because of a disconnection or a lack um, that they're experiencing in their life. And what I mean by that is sometimes people have a hard time connecting with the Father 
because of that term and what emotions rise up on the inside of them when they think about father, their natural dad, especially if they came out of a, of a broken or a strained relationship. Um, what I have found, strangely enough, is that people that have had strain in their relationship with their siblings have a hard time connecting with Jesus. Hmm. And what I have found is that people that have strain in their relationship with their mom yeah. have a hard time connecting with the Holy Spirit. Wow. Uh and people, when I talk to them and they say, man, I had a really great relationship with my dad, we can usually always start talking about the father. Right. If people say, man, I had a great network of friends growing up and I was really close to my siblings, they kind of have a really easier time connecting with Jesus and talking about Jesus. When people say, man, I had the best relationship with my mom. My mom was such a loving, compassionate person. I've seen over time and time and time tested that those people usually have a pretty robust relationship with the Holy Spirit. Uh, so I don't know at what level right. that connects and, <laughs> and makes sense, but I would, I would encourage people to pay attention to that. Yeah. If you're having a really difficult time connecting uh, with one of those expressions of the Trinity, I feel that a lot of times the Lord has something deeper to reveal to you in regards to even things that are going on in our hearts and life that we need healing from to be able to connect, to connect well. Um, so that's just a little extra in there. Uh, so for me, base level, the Holy Spirit's relatable. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit's consistent with the character and the nature of God and Jesus. The Holy Spirit isn't anybody to be afraid of. And Paul tells us in his letter to the Corinthians that we can actually have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And that's a pretty remarkable thing. That's awesome. Well, you know, I think that's a great foundation because whenever we establish that it's a who mm -hmm. and not a what, mm -hmm. we're automatically talking about a relationship. That's right. And it's, you know, it, it puts us in this place of of connection where mm -hmm. we, we realize that we're getting to know a person mm -hmm. and not understand an object or uh, observe a force or, you know, right. a lot of the misconceptions that, That's we, right. that we hear. And, you know, especially in, in, in our realm, if you will, which we're victory life, I think we're a little bit harder to, to peg down. That's why Pastor yeah. Dwayne <laughs> says things like, you know, if he's preaching and he says something doesn't land well, you know, mm -hmm. what's your quiet in this full gospel Presbyterian right, right. church of Christ that let the drums in. That's my favorite yeah, one. Yeah. But, but in the middle of all that, uh, for me, it really speaks to who we are. We're really an interdenominational church. Right. We don't, we're non-denominational in the sense of we don't ascribe to a particular denomination, but we really are, our congregations have so many varied backgrounds mm -hmm. of where they came to church before they came here. Um, and, and what I see in the middle of that is that, you know, our particular vein, even in our non-denominational non context, we, context, we are a charismatic church. Yep. And all that that really means is that we we believe that the things that happened in the book of Acts and the things that happened in the life of Jesus are still applicable today. Uh, and we believe in real-time relationship right. with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that speaks to us, shows us things to come. So when you talk about relationship, to really enter into charismatic Christianity for me, mm -hmm. all we're really talking about is that we believe it's possible to have a relationship, real relationship with God, like I have a relationship with you. Yeah or another person through the Holy Spirit. Um, and I think that opens up a much larger conversation in uh, what are all the benefits of having a yeah. real relationship with a real God through or, the Holy Spirit? Or even what role does that relationship play yes. in my life as, yes. a, as a believer, Absolutely. as a Christian? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that for a bit. What role um, does that relationship that, that we get to experience with the Holy Spirit 
how does that, uh, how should that inform our lives uh, as we kind of go about normal day-to-day life every day as, as people in this time frame where we are right now? Absolutely. Well, I think that uh, to, to answer that question, we probably need to first talk about another aspect of what we mean by uh, charismatic Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, I, I, I don't, I don't like the labels. Uh, I think sometimes it helps to get people in the right frame of reference. But for me, just biblical Christianity, we see this ability to actually be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And for me, that's really just the Holy Spirit coming and connecting to us in a real time, in a real way. It's our introduction into relationship with with the Holy Spirit. Um, there comes a choice that we all have to make in regards to how we're going to relate to Jesus and asking Jesus into our heart and into our life. And one of the roles or the functions of, of the Holy Spirit is that um, he actually baptizes us into the body of Christ. Uh, this is what we read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, verses 12 through 14, that the Holy Spirit, once we make a decision to follow Jesus, actually is the one that connects us to Christ. It's kind of baptized into the body of Christ. Um, But then we see in the book of Acts, namely chapters one and two, Jesus talking to the disciples and telling them to wait in Jerusalem until they receive power on a high and that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon them. This baptism in the Holy Spirit that we see marked at Christ's water baptism, the Holy Spirit descending on him. Um, We see Jesus as the pattern son, the pattern for us to follow. And as we follow in his footsteps, we see those same things happen in, in our life. So when we see that there is this need for the Holy Spirit to be invited into our life, Uh, through this baptism of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promises, we can then start looking at the life of Jesus and the life of the disciples that followed in his footsteps to see how did the Holy Spirit uh, manifest, if you will, in real time in their lives, make himself real to them, make himself known, and what did he empower them to do? Well, uh, clearly from the book of Acts, we see in chapter one that Jesus says you will be uh, empowered by this Holy Spirit once you're baptized in him to be my witnesses. Yeah. So one of the first thing that relationship with the Holy Spirit does day in and day out is it empowers me to be a witness for Christ. Um, and that manifests in so many different ways. Uh, we read also in first Corinthians that this Holy Spirit empowered life results in us having uh, spiritual gifts given to us and things activated in our hearts and in our lives. Uh, I believe that relationship with the Holy Spirit and how it plays out day to day is one, uh, being empowered to be a witness for Jesus. And I believe it really empowers us to be an effective witness for Jesus. There's a supernatural power that comes with the Holy Spirit that lets you begin to witness in a way uh, that that I, I think is, is markedly different uh, than somebody that isn't operating with that same power. I'll say it, I'll say it this way. You know, I've, I've been a Christian since I was nine years old, made a decision to follow Jesus, was water baptized, uh, had a little bit of a, of a point of not necessarily falling away, but just the typical teenage rebellious stuff my last two years of high school. But I was always a believer. I just wasn't doing a good job following. Right. right. Um, but in naming Christ as Lord, I wasn't necessarily being an effective witness for Christ. And part of what I mean by that is actually walking in in the power of Jesus. 
quite literally, from what we see take place in Christ's ministry, uh, healing the sick, mm-hmm. casting out devils, uh, being able to preach God's word with boldness and with clarity, um, dreams and visions, things that we see happen in the lives of the disciples in the book of Acts and things that we see happen in Jesus, to Jesus and with Jesus in his life in the gospels, those things started showing up in my life. I'd never cast a demon out of anybody until I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'd never laid hands on the sick and seen anyone recover until I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I used to lay hands on sick people in my family when I was a kid and pray, God, give me their disease so they don't have to hurt anymore. Mm. Not knowing that there was actually power accessible to actually speak to that and see something change. Uh, you know, I grew up very fearful of it's, it's interesting to me, you know, and maybe people listening to this can relate. I grew up in churches that taught that, you know, the demonic was real and the power of darkness was real, but didn't say anything about God's power. So it's like, uh, the gifts of the Holy spirit and the power of the Holy spirit died and passed away, you know, after, after the, the last apostle. Uh, which that's another topic there, Sure, but, yeah. but, but in that, but the work of the devil didn't die and pass away. So people like, no, like I have that and any, 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 and I'm not going to name denominations, uh, cause I love the whole body of, of Christ. And I've got friends that are the part of different, uh, denominational systems, but it, to me, it was seems now looking back counterintuitive mm-hmm. to say that, you know, oh yeah, I've met people that are demon possessed but never to have met anybody that actually uh, worked with the power and, uh, and, and in a way, this is a strong term, but that was possessed by the Holy Spirit uh, that had given their life over to God um, in that way. So for me, there's a real-time ability day to day to actually walk in that, in that same power um, in, in those ways. But there's also the reality of just having the Holy Spirit begin to open up more of God's kingdom to you through things like uh, actually bringing you and, and, and revealing to you um, what it really means to walk in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, you know, righteousness, joy, you know, all, all these kinds of things. Uh, love, joy, you know, all, 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 all the fruit. I'm singing a little song in my head because <laughs> my oh, ones my kids sing. But, but in the middle of all that, there's that with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, but for me, there's also on the personal level, Josh, um, I, I could imagine, I couldn't imagine being a spouse without the influence of the Holy Spirit in my life. I couldn't imagine being a parent without relationship with the Holy Spirit. There's just that still small voice that speaks to you. Um, when one of your kids is having a hard day and God shows you by the Holy Spirit, what's going on at school, giving you a knowledge that you couldn't have on your own, knowing what to pray. The scripture says, sometimes we don't know what to pray but the Holy Spirit will intercede for us. He'll make a way for us and show us what to pray. So it's everything for me from healing the sick and raising the dead to having spiritual knowledge in a moment on how to relate to my wife and my kids better. Uh, Does that kind of answer what you're asking? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think another angle or another perspective on it as well that maybe we could talk for a little bit. I like how you kind of touched on the fruits of the Spirit. You know, fruit isn't the result of an accident. Mm-mm. It's it's the result of a relationship. That's it's right. a result of seed germinating. And, That's you right. know, we could get into into detail on how uh, reproductive stuff works. We're not going to yeah, do absolutely. that Absolutely, yeah. But, and you and I both have a lot of kids. So yes, yes, we could. We are, we are uh, you know, certified <laughs> to talk about that, but we're not going to do that either. Right. <laughs> but, you know, there's so much 
of the Christian life that I think sometimes we try to make happen on our own. That's right. Um, you know, I've read recently in a book that I've been going through uh, that really kind of hit hard and and, and kind of convicted me a lot. It, it talked about the concept of the worship of the will, mm. of being so focused on trying to bring about things by ourself. That's right. And trying to follow Jesus on our own yes. or try to make things happen yes. that we're actually worshiping our own will. We're worshiping our own will. But there's a beautiful thing that happens when we surrender that. That's right. And then we connect to Jesus on that intimate level and we allow him to do the work of transformation. That's right. And changing our heart. And that, I think that's that's such a beautiful role that the Holy Spirit pl- plays. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about you know, the powerful displays and the manifestations and, mm-hmm. and the things like that. But even on a subtle, more subtle level, you know, whenever we respond in love, that's the Holy Spirit working in us. Oh, absolutely. Whenever we respond in faithfulness, gentleness, those things. That's right. And I think, you know, beyond some of the the stuff that maybe kind of scares people or, or mm-hmm. just makes people feel uncomfortable, there's a much... There's just a beautiful thing that happens when the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. That's right. And is able to kind of, to to slowly, subtly transform us. And that doesn't happen by accident. It happens by consistent, regular relationship and oh, just spending time with, totally. with God. And, you know, Jesus paints a beautiful picture of that uh, in the Gospels. Uh, he gives an illustration about how on that day, And we know that to be the day that we all stand face to face with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And he said, many will will say to me on that day, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out devils. We healed the sick. We raised the dead. Right. Uh, You know, we paid our tithe. You know, (laughs) we we came to church every time the doors were open. Um, And it's interesting, the Lord's response. He said, and I'll say to them, depart from me. I never knew you, Mm. you workers of lawlessness, or some translations say you workers of iniquity. That used to be the scariest piece of the Bible for me to read. Yeah, yeah. Especially as as a kid and a teenager, if I read that, I would purposely skip over it. Right. Because in my mind, I thought, man, if I ever got to the place that I could cast a demon out of somebody. Right, you've arrived. Like you're doing yeah, what you're supposed like to do. Yeah, like how could a person that prophesies and heals mm-hmm. the sick and raises it, how could they not be tight with Jesus? Right. Well, there's a lot of things that I could get into with that. <laughs> uh and it's not that any of those things are possible without Jesus, but it's kind of the equivalent of like, if I use your name mm-hmm. to be able to get me an invitation to a dinner or get me influence with a particular person, that's one of my biggest pet peeves is people that name drop. Mm-hmm. Uh there's people that do that with Jesus. They're claiming that they have a relationship that they don't have. That they don't have. And they have figured out the, the, the life hack, if you will, on how to get some of the manifestations of God's power, but not necessarily have relationship with Jesus. And that's what Jesus says. He says, depart from me. I never knew you. Yeah. And really for me, the Holy Spirit empowers me to be a witness of Christ to be able to flow in that same power that Christ did, to be able to be a better husband and a better father. But I love what what you what you what you're talking about there. At the end of the day, we really see for me the heart. Of, I like to call the heart of the Gospels John's Gospel. Mm-hmm. I, John's John's my favorite of the Gospel <laughs> writers. I, I I just things resonate in me when I read John that I don't with some of the others. 
but for me, John's whole, um, John's account of some of Jesus's final teachings and his high priestly prayer going through, you know, really starting like chapters 12, 13, 14, 15, that, that whole, that whole area there. Um, Jesus really starts to, man, really just, you know, you, you have communicators that sit down, you know, a pastor will sit down on the stage and, and he'll say, you know, I'm really just feeling like I want to share my heart with you tonight. Those heart to heart conversations. I really see that in that portion of John's gospel. Jesus is like, let me just level with you guys. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear fruit and it's fruit that will last. And he really starts talking about a Holy Spirit. This talks about the Holy Spirit in a way that's unique, honestly, to the rest of the Bible. It's really heart to heart. This connection of it's the Holy Spirit that's your friend, that's your comforter, that's going to keep you connected to me so that we can abide together. And that's really what we see is that um, to... um, you know, some of the, some of my brothers and sisters in the hyper charismatic community, everything's about, you know, the, the manifestation of what the Holy Spirit does and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I can't say that that's the whole gospel. The gospel is definitely not whole without it. And I don't believe our lives as believers is whole without that. Uh, you ever actually have to deal with somebody that's demon possessed, you'll be glad that you have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you actually have to believe God for a miracle in your child's life or in a spouse. You'll be glad you have the power of the Holy Spirit. But in the middle of all that, we can never take that as the driving force of what this really is because all of it is about heart to heart connection with God. Actually being baptized in God's presence is like living in a place of a fatherly embrace every day. Um, John is the one that got to lay his head on Jesus's chest at the at the Last Supper. For me, that's what the Holy Spirit empowers us to be able to do, to be able to lay our head on, on Jesus's chest and hear the heartbeat of God. That's how I can gap, capture God's heart in a moment if I'm dealing with my spouse wrongly. The Holy Spirit will speak to me and I can capture God's heart and what I really need to be doing in that situation. What fruit I really need to be manifesting. Am I being patient? Am I being kind? Am I operating with God's kind of wisdom, thinking about handling this person? Am I agreeable? Am I gentle? Am I open to reason? The Holy Spirit really does act. Uh, I love what uh, Pastor Dwayne uh, describes with the Holy Spirit talking about him as like a spiritual GPS. Right. Letting me know. And that's really what we see from the scriptures. The Holy Spirit will show us things to come. Uh, He'll lead us and guide us into all truth. He's a friend. He's a counselor. Uh, even the Greek uh, phrase uh, parakletos is kind of like a, 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 the, a guide or a person that's walking with you that knows where, where you're both going. Uh, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit in, in what we classify some of the bigger ways and the smaller ways. We actually see the supernatural reality of God in our life. But you're absolutely right. The crux of all of that is a deep, meaningful relationship with Jesus. Whenever Jesus talks about how it's better for him to go yeah, and for the, the Holy Spirit to come. Mm-hmm. Can you maybe expound on that a little bit of what, what does that mean um, for, for Jesus himself to say, it's better that I actually go away yeah, so that I can send this helper to you. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that's huge. It's a big deal. Yeah. It's a big deal. I don't think that a lot of times as the body of Christ as a whole corporately, every denomination, every group. That's what I mean corporately. Um, The Holy Spirit 
a lot of the times is, is undervalued, underappreciated, thought as like an, an, an add in or, or a supplement, you know, to our Christian faith. Um, I think it was uh, Francis Chan that actually um, uh, wrote a book about him being the forgotten member of the Trinity. Um, and, it, and it's such a sad thing because of what you just said. Jesus actually said it's better for him to go so he could send the Holy Spirit. Uh, b- bottom line there is simply that Jesus was God in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Emmanuel, God with us. He came and made his tabernacle here with us through Jesus. Um, but Jesus on the earth was in one physical body. Uh, the Holy Spirit is able to be in each member of his body, which is the church all at the same time. For Jesus to have remained in that way for forever, which he could, he's God, he could do what he wanted. But for him to actually go back to the Father in order to send the Holy Spirit, that was for the unification of his entire body not just his one physical party, uh, uh, body, his physical body in, in the person of Jesus Christ. So it's better for him to go so that, think about this, so that each person that called upon his name could experience him in the same way that the 12 did, yeah. that the people at the shores of Galilee did. He had a bigger goal in mind Absolutely. than I think we initially anticipated. Absolutely. Yeah. You and I are here right now. Absolutely. So that means we're not, we're everybody's at this listening to this physically, mm-hmm. but we're there through, through, through our voice. Right. It's kind of the same way with, with the Holy spirit. Jesus, if he was on the earth today in physical form could only be one place at one time. Mm-hmm. So if he's with me, he's with me. It means he's not with you. Right. Um, but from the beginning, you know, Moses in the book of Exodus, he, I, I, I describe it this way. He looked out on humanity with a prophetic longing, mm-hmm. which means that he was seeing things from God's perspective and seeing things in future tense and they weren't as they were not currently. And he said, oh, I would that all the Lord's people would be prophets and that the spirit of God would come to rest upon all of them. Because Moses is dealing with these, you know, knuckleheads like you and me, uh, like all of us can be in the desert. And they say, God, these guys' hearts are so hard. Mm-hmm. They do not follow. It doesn't matter how many rules you give. doesn't matter how many miracles you do. And he said, man, what they really need is they need your Holy Spirit. Because Moses had experienced that on the mountaintop. He had experienced those places with God. Man, think about what would change and even how we appreciate the Holy Spirit if we saw that we're living in a time that people like Moses long to see, mm-hmm. that all God's people would be prophets and that God would pour out his spirit on all of them. Then we see that manifest in Acts with uh, Peter saying on the day of Pentecost, this is what was prophesied through the prophet Joel. That in the last days, God had poured out his spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughter will prophesy. Uh, Hebrews talks about a great cloud of witnesses that the people that have died in the faith ahead of us, they join this cloud of witnesses around us that rally us and encourage us to keep running our race and living for God. Think about the joy in Moses's heart seeing that day come to pass on Pentecost. This is what I long to see. And now it is. And I sometimes wonder if we really appreciate that for what it is to be able to be that close to God to have him literally on the inside of us and literally now baptized in his power to learn his heart, to know his commands, to walk in his ways. Um, I don't think that we think about that. And I don't think that uh, we really let ourselves step into that reality as much as we should. Yeah. I love the, that you even referenced 
Moses and his longing for the people of Israel. I actually was having a conversation with my daughter recently, and she said something that just really struck me because I hadn't really put the two together before. But, you know, like during Israel's journey in the wilderness, the presence of God was manifested by a pillar of fire yep. by night and then a cloud during yep. the day. Yep. And then at Pentecost, we see the presence of God mm. manifested in flame and those tongues of fire. Yes. And it's such a, a beautiful picture of how the temple, mm-hmm. which was the place that you could interact with God's presence, yeah. Yeah. is now inside us. of us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a thing that people miss a lot of times when we talk about the role of the Holy Spirit is that it's this life from God that's living inside of us mm-hmm. that we have access to that's changing and transforming us from the inside out. And it's not a place, it, it's not defined by the limitations of time and space. We don't have to be in a certain place at a certain time to experience it. It's alive within us because we've invited it in. Coming into relationship with the Holy Spirit, what we know scripturally to be the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is really the thing that takes what's invisible on the inside of us whenever we make a decision to follow Jesus and releases it now in a visible way. Even you talking about the tongues of fire on everybody's head. Whenever we receive Jesus Christ, we actually receive uh, God's anointing. Uh, Contrary to popular opinion and popular belief, Jesus Christ, Christ isn't Jesus's last name. (laughs) Okay. So the Christ is a term for the Messiah, which if you break that down in the Greek and in the Hebrew Messiah, but then the Greek with Christ, uh, Christos is the anointed, the anointed one. Well, we see in Old Testament pattern and picture that whenever someone was going to be anointed as a prophet or anointed to be king, there was symbolically the oil placed on somebody. You know, when we receive Jesus, it's like that oil being placed on us. We're marked as God's chosen, which for me, baptism in the Holy Spirit is not a heaven or hell issue. Yeah. Because the which only- Which is one of the questions we'll talk about. I want to I want to lay that there. to bed. Yeah. Um, because we clearly see, uh, and we, we'll just hit it right now, sure, what you brought sure. up. If, if being baptized in the Holy Spirit is a heaven and hell issue, then the thief on the cross next to Jesus should have gone to hell. Wow. Yeah, he didn't have time to, to didn't have time. It, it, Pentecost hadn't even happened. Yeah. I wasn't born yet. I couldn't break down for him. Baptism right. of the Holy Spirit. And, and so this he is couldn't, what you have to he couldn't download Pastor Dwayne's series. He couldn't series. listen to Pastor right. Dwayne's right. series. Couldn't listen to Pastor Jacob. You know, we couldn't, we could, we could, he didn't have time. All he did was recognize who Jesus was. And he said, I want in. Yeah. And Jesus said, man, truly I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Right. Another thing, he wasn't water baptized either. It's true. Now, we, we said a lot <laughs> in, in that one that, piece. Right. Now, granted, if we got time for all of it, then praise God, let's do all of it. Like, let's get you water baptized. Let's get you baptized in the Holy Spirit. But if you're at that place of just that thief on the cross, which is literally, I classify that kind of as people on their deathbed. We have so many testimonies of people on their deathbed saying, you know, I, I, I'm ready. I need Jesus. Mm-hmm. If he'll do it for the thief on the cross, yeah. he'll do it for the person on their deathbed. That's that just that one example for me just blows, blows up this thought process that you have to be, you know, baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. That's the only way for you to prove that you're saved. If, if we try to add anything to the cross of Jesus to prove that we're saved, we're in a really, really bad spot. What Jesus did for us on the cross is in itself totally sufficient to save us. Um, but anyway, with that, I'm talking about the anointing. If you think about, you know, 
whenever we receive Jesus Christ, we receive this, the anointed one of God. If we receive that anointing onto our life, and then the Holy Spirit, the baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit comes on me. The Holy Spirit's the one that lights the flame. Yeah. They all had those tongues of fire on their mm-hmm. head like little lamps because they had already made a decision to follow yep. Jesus. That oil now is burning and that releases a light into the world. Wow. That's where that witness comes from for me, yeah. what I'm talking about. So that that picture is so is so beautiful. Oh, it is. Because it it connects together so many of the analogies and the 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 stories and the parables and things mm-hmm. that Jesus taught of just that picture of light. Yes. Going into the darkness. And it does what we were talking about earlier when we talk about the Holy Spirit unifying the body of Christ. And it's better for Jesus to go so the Holy Spirit can come. Remember this on the day of Pentecost, they all spoke in tongues, mm-hmm. but everybody that heard them heard the same thing. Yeah. It's kind of the inverse opposite of the Tower of Babel. God had to confuse the languages mm-hmm. by his spirit. But on the day of Pentecost, taking everybody's different languages, he now unified them to give glory to God and the people heard it. So the Holy Spirit is powerful. Absolutely. He's amazing. Well, let's talk a little bit then. Um, well, maybe a little bit, maybe a lot. But, you know, hopefully even in this conversation, if there's people out there who are listening who like, okay, this settles some things for me. Mm-hmm. I realize this is something I need. Yep. How do we receive the Holy Spirit? What yep. does that look like? And what is that process? Absolutely. First thing I would really encourage people to do is to is to uh, understand that um, God's gifts are free. Um, we don't earn them. We don't deserve them. Um, it's actually in the words of Jesus. Jesus is talking to a group of people and he says, uh, if you being evil know how to give good gifts and compared to God, let's face it, we're all evil compared to how good God is. And what we really, a better translation of that is if you being human, know how to give good gifts to your children. Jesus says, if you have have a child and you're the dad or you're the mom and they ask for a piece of bread, you wouldn't give them a stone. And then Jesus goes on to say, if they ask for, for fish, you wouldn't give them a snake. Uh, he said, how much more will God give the Holy Spirit to those that ask? I love that picture. Yeah. And that's really what bothered the religious people about Jesus, right? He was making God so available. And you'd have to jump through all these hoops and stop cussing and stop, you know, dipping or chewing or going with those that do, right? (laughs) It was like, just as you are, acknowledge your need for God and come to him. It was threatening their need for control. Their need for control, to to be the mediator between God and the people. And Jesus is like, no, the kingdom of God's actually at hand. It's like it's within grasp. And he started calling God Abba, which is daddy. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was like infuriating (laughs) to these people. Like this is Elohim. This is, you know, and even, and even Yahweh, that, that even term, we throw that term around loosely now. I mean, that was a term. I mean, that was, you're talking about drop dead. Mm -hmm. If you say it too loud. Um, We we think about just how much there was actually there, you know, when, when scribes would actually, uh, would actually uh, write out the Torah. You know, if they won war out, they needed a new one or they were making copies. There's no print, you know, printers. This is way before uh, Gutenberg and all that. So they, they're writing this out by hand. Every time they they wrote the Lord, which is Yahweh, uh, Jehovah, every time they wrote that word, they had to stop and get up and do a ceremonial cleansing. Wow. So they have to wash, they'd have to change their clothes, anoint themselves, sit back down. Every time they even wrote that word. So you're talking about this guy 
who's like a carpenter by trade, mm-hmm. <laughs> not a part of the rabbinic school, mm-hmm. just going around and saying, oh yeah, that guy that you write his name and you have to do this, that's daddy. Yeah. Wow. Like we put ourselves on this end of the equation and we think, man, these religious people, <laughs> I, some of us would have been in the same place. Yeah. Who is this guy and what's he saying and what's he doing? So what I love about Jesus talking that way about God giving us the Holy Spirit is it immediately makes God accessible, puts God in terms of a dad talking to a little kid. You're hungry. I've never one time my kids come and say they want a piece of bread. If they're already, you know, full and stuff, right, I'm not right. going to say, oh yeah, here's, here's more. Right. Out of but I've never one time said, oh yeah, you want bread? I'm going to give you a rock to eat. Yeah. You know, you want fish? Okay. Here's this poisonous snake. And he's like, he's God's, Jesus is really challenging our assumptions about God. Yeah. Uh, and to me, base level, you're going to have a hard time walking with God period until you see him correctly. And you're going to have an even more difficult time really receiving the Holy Spirit until you believe that you actually meet the qualifications to receive it, which means you've acknowledged you're God's child, mm-hmm. which is what happens whenever we make a decision to follow Jesus. Right. Contrary to popular belief also, I know we're good intentioned when we say everybody's God's child, but that's not biblically true. We're actually children of wrath mm-hmm. before we're born again. Yeah. God loves everybody, but we're not all God's children. We become God's children when we're adopted into God's family by faith in Jesus Christ. But if we've done that, then, and we see that, uh, this interaction Jesus describing between a father and their child, we have to know we're a child of God, which only comes by being born again. So for me, the qualification to receive the Holy Spirit, be born again, believe that God's a good dad that actually delights in giving you his Holy Spirit. And the same way you were born again or you were saved is through childlike faith. That's how that was made possible. Receiving the Holy Spirit's the same way. Childlike faith. Father, I believe if I asked you for a piece of bread, you would hand me a stone. If I asked for fish, you would hand me a snake. I believe I am your child. And your son told me that you delight in giving me the Holy Spirit. Would you baptize me in your Holy Spirit? Would you give that to me? Just ask. We get so hung up on what's going to come after that. You know, we've been up late, you know, watching TBN and we've been, you know, hanging around these circles and these camps and all these things. And we think, you know, I'm going to fall on the floor and flap around, flap around like a fish. I've seen all that. That stuff's real, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't happen all the time. I had uh, one particular lady, I was ministering to her in my office one day and we got to a place to where she was just feeling stuck in her Christian walk. And I said, well, have you ever been baptized in Holy Spirit? And she's like, no, I've heard about it. And this and this answered a few questions. And I said, I just want to pray for you. Uh, and, and that's what we see. So one, you just got to ask. Mm-hmm. Two, we also see from the book of Acts that Paul and some of the other apostles, Peter, others, John, went around, they actually laid hands on people for them to receive the Holy Spirit. And uh, there's a lot into that that we could talk about theologically. Uh, I don't really want to get into that now. Um, but, but there is something to that through the laying on of hands. That's a pattern we see through the scripture. But one time Peter's talking and he's actually preaching to a group of, of new believers. And as he's talking to them, the Holy Spirit just comes upon all of them without him having to touch anybody. But I think sometimes we get hung up on what's going to happen after I ask Mm -hmm. that we get fear, fearful, timid. We get some anxiety about even asking because we think, you know, am I going to flop on the ground like a fish? Am I going to, 
you know, bark like a dog, you know, crazy stuff that people have seen. <laughs> uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's up with the barking. I'm not really, I'm yeah. not really on the level with that, but I've seen <laughs> weird stuff. You know, am I going to start speaking in tongues? Am I going to have a, you know, a vision? What's going to take place? Um, you know, for me, that's part of just trusting God's heart. Uh, you know, I train our ministry teams here. I, I wrote the training that our altar workers use here and at the Durant campus. And one of the things I put in there is when people come to receive the Holy Spirit, we never want to push or, or manipulate anybody into a manifestation. Mm-hmm. It's our job just to agree with them for what they're asking and let God bring whatever manifestation he wants to be. And what, and what I mean by that is some kind of external proof that it's happened or some kind of inward proof. Uh, the lady I talked about in my office that was stuck and I asked her about baptism of the Holy Spirit. She said, no, I never had that. I laid hands on her. I prayed. And she said, man, I just, I feel peace. I feel just love. So that's great. You know, we believe today you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And she came back to me a week later and said, the craziest thing happened after you pray for me. I went to sleep that night and I woke myself up in the middle of the night speaking in tongues from a dead sleep. And I was talking in this other language. So that's beautiful. Praise God. You know, I, I think the main thing is just asking him in and there will be so much that God brings into your life. Um, but don't be fearful of what's going to happen after. Just trust it's going to be good. But you can't do that until you believe God's good and he cares about you. That's awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit um, about the tongues issue, because Mm -hmm. I think that is something that people get hung up on. Sure. Just depending on your background, you know, maybe you come from a background where that's normal and that's Mm -hmm. that's something you're used to and it doesn't bother you. Maybe you come from a background where that's, you know, that's anathema and that's weird and Mm -hmm. that's like, hey, we just don't go there. You know, the beautiful thing about Jesus and the beautiful thing about um how we've come to experience him, uh, you know, in, in our church is there's room for people to grow. You don't, we're not expecting anybody to get it right away or to even put, you know, to, to ascribe to a very specific set of, you gotta, you gotta fall in line. You know, let's, let's talk about that issue and maybe some reasons that people wrestle with it and struggle with it. You know, honestly, you know, from the outside looking in, it can look a little weird. Oh yeah. And it can look forced sometimes or like, are they really doing anything, you know? Yeah. So just from a, you know, very basic level, let's talk about that and, and just what we believe about it here, what, what our heart is for people, um, you know, to experience that and, and, and things like that. Absolutely. Well, let me just first say that I know God fearing men and women who are baptized in the Holy Spirit that do not speak in tongues. Yeah. They never have one time their whole life. And who am I to say, well, you're not really baptized in the Holy Spirit unless you you speak in tongues. Um, we get that honestly and, and innocently from, from that being one of the, the patterns in Acts whenever people are filled with the Holy Spirit. We kind of see the example being one of two things. They prophesy, which means they just speak God-inspired things. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot, that's a topic in and of itself that that I'm passionate about and would love to spend time on is just the, the prophetic as a whole, what that actually is, what it's not. Um, so that's one thing that happens. The other thing, we see that in the Old Testament too. King Saul actually, uh, he uh, fell in with a group of prophets and the Holy Spirit got in him and he started prophesying too. <laughs> and he wasn't even a prophet. He was just under that same anointing or the same power. 
being influenced by the Holy Spirit. So the prophecy thing is just speaking things that only God could give you the knowledge to say. That's really what prophecy is. And then the second thing is speaking in other tongues. We see that in Acts, that groups of people would speak in tongues or prophesy sometimes both. I believe that something always happens when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's just not always the same thing. And the reason I know that is because Paul says clearly in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, which if you're really wanting to grow in your understanding of like what comes after baptism in the Holy Spirit, primarily around what we know to be the nine gifts of the Spirit, um, which I don't believe is an exhausted list. Um, I believe it's just a framework. These are some of the main gifts that come into people's lives. Um, but those three chapters out of 1 Corinthians are a great resource to begin to wrap your mind around some of these different uh, manifestations, some of these things that start showing up in your life after you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, but one of the things that Paul clearly says in there, he asks the question, he says, uh, do, uh, do all have gifts of healing? Do all prophesy? Do all speak in tongues? And and the answer to the question is no, mm-hmm. not everybody does that. He says, but to each is given a measure or a grace, a gift of the spirit to each is given. Um, and what we read about even in those passages is the difference between speaking in tongues in what we would call a private prayer language mm-hmm. versus the gift of tongues, which is something that happens in a public assembly or a gathering. Uh, every once in a while, we'll have somebody here at the Durant campus that gives a tongue. Yeah. And that's where we read in the scripture that there needs to be an interpretation for that. Um, that's different than me worshiping God in a time of musical worship and the music's loud and I'm there speaking in my prayer language to God mm-hmm. in a way that I alone can hear or somebody standing close to me, but I'm not on the mic or out loud giving a, a word. The reason it needs to be interpreted is because once a tongue is interpreted, that equals to prophecy. Right. God telling us something that we need that we need to know we need to hear. Paul says in those chapters, he's, I love Paul, he says, I speak in tongues more than all of you do. <laughs> he said, but if when I'm together with the assembly, I would rather speak words with a known tongue so that I could benefit somebody. But he says those that speak in a tongue, now talking about not the public gift of tongues that needs to be interpreted, but this private prayer time between us and the Lord. He said those that speak in a tongue speak to God for edification, exhortation, and, and, and confirmation. I'm sorry, no, that's for the prophetic. That's what the prophetic does. Those that, the gift of prophecy, it edifies, it confirms, and it exhorts. He says those that speak in a tongue speak to God, and it's for their own edification. Right. It builds themselves up. Right. Uh, what we mean by that is when I'm feeling weak, when I'm feeling depressed, when I'm feeling discouraged, when I'm just kind of block. You ever just have a mental block and you don't know what to pray Absolutely. in English? That's what this private prayer language of speaking in tongues privately, that's what it's for. What an incredible gift. It's a beautiful yeah. gift. You know, to have something to to say and something to do when you'd have nothing else to say or do. Yes. And and God knows that we get to those places. We do. Well, we don't even have the words. No. To, to say what we need to say, but we need a way of communicating with him. That's right. It's beautiful. Do I believe that God wills that for everybody? Absolutely. Do I believe that God wills for everybody to speak with a public tongue gift? No. The same way not everybody prophesies. But I do believe personally, this is my own personal conviction, that anybody that's open and wants to can, can step into the gift of tongues as we know it in a private prayer language. I believe God wills to give that to everybody. And I believe personally in Acts, whenever that was happening to people, that's actually what they were receiving. 
you and I both speak in tongues in, in a private setting that way. I've never operated, and I don't know if you, you have, maybe not, but I've never operated in a public gift of tongues to where I've given a tongue and somebody's interpreted it. Now I operate in the gift of interpretation and I've been used multiple times to interpret somebody else's tongue for the benefit of the body. Um, but I feel like it's weird for people because it's just real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's something that God's given us that is like a very objectively happening. Right. It's not as mysterious as, mm-hmm. as some of the things uh, in, in the walk with God are like, this is something that's legitimately happening. I don't have a reference point for it. Wouldn't it be so much easier if every thing that involved the spirit of God and everything that had to do with following Jesus just made us comfortable? <laughs> yeah. But then we have no need for the spirit. Right. Jesus says the Holy Spirit will comfort you. And so the same Holy Spirit that might make you uncomfortable because Mm -hmm. he's empowered you to speak in tongues is the same Holy Spirit that will comfort you that everything's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, when you really step into that place with God, it only brings peace. Yeah. It's only confusing and weird for the people on the outside looking in, Mm -hmm. you know, here at Victory Life, we're not running around screaming in tongues. I've been in those churches and it is confusing and it's terrifying. We're very decent in order about it. Uh, We follow scriptural guidelines and principles for all this. Um, But anytime before I get up to speak, I'm I'm praying in the spirit. And I want to make it, I want a quick clarification here. And I would encourage everybody, if you're interested in this, mentioned in the video, but I say it again, go to pastordwayne.com. Um, there's actually an older teaching that he did. It's just called Holy Spirit One and Holy Spirit Two. I don't think we mentioned this in the next step video. I think we talked about the knowing the Holy Spirit because that's the more recent one. What we're talking about right now at this deep level, that Holy Spirit One and Holy Spirit Two, I feel like actually goes to that level. Right. He gets into each gift, spiritual gift. I'd tell anybody mm-hmm. to check that out at pastordwayne.com. I, I specifically know he gets he gets very clear about the difference between prayer language yes. and the yes. gift of tongue, the yes. public gift. Like and if you about. need more scriptural clarification on yeah. that, yeah. that's his gift. Yep. So go listen to him and he will teach it to you. <laughs> I'm just going to introduce you to it and and maybe get you curious about it. Um, but a point of clarity right here for people that I think sometimes makes them nervous with tongues. Josh, you you know this and, and you can and you can agree with me on this. But I can speak in tongues whenever I want to. Right. It's it's not something where you're you're suddenly become possessed and you have no control. Yes. Of your of your language. You, you're out of control. Yeah. Yeah, that that actually messed with me for a while as a yeah. kid. Yeah, whenever I experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because I was waiting on something to force me to do it. To do it, and when I when I understood and gained mm-hmm. that understanding of no, I, this is a partnership. I, it's my voice. Mm-hmm. It's my mouth. The words are His. I That's have right. to start speaking. That's right, and I allow His voice to. You know, to to give me the syllables and give me the sounds. That's right. And that's, that's right. That helped me so much. Absolutely. And like I've said before, I I personally believe that God wills everybody to have that. He doesn't will for everybody to have the public gift of of giving a tongue. But I also believe too, you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit and never speak in tongues even privately. I know people that love God with all their heart, and they are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they never spoke in tongues even privately. Uh, and it actually surprised me some of the times when I found that out because I figure like, man, you do that and they don't. But these people that I know, uh, some people connected to my life, they they resemble Christ even better than I do. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there's no way you can do that except through the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I do believe that that is something that God w- wills for us to have. Uh, but at the same time, it's, it's not a have to. Uh, it's a we get to and why wouldn't we want to? Um, 
But with that, about about the tongues, the private prayer language piece, I love that you said that the Holy Spirit doesn't grab your tongue and make you do it. Mm-hmm. There's a surrendering. It's a relationship. It's a willful choosing. Now, he does empower you to be able to do it. But the point of clarity I want to make is the Holy Spirit's not the one talking. Mm. People think that praying in the Spirit means the Holy Spirit uses you as a puppet to talk in some weird language. Mm. That's that's kind of creepy. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, this outside force uses you. That sounds very, that sounds very exorcist. That, I like, think that that's sounds very scary. It's definitely one of the things that makes people uncomfortable yeah, when they hear about it's it. It's not that. But But check this out. And this to me makes it more personal. Maybe it makes it weird for people even more. For me, it doesn't. For me, it makes me feel better. But we know the scriptures tell us that that we're spirit, soul, and body. Mm-hmm. There's three parts to who we are because we're made in the image of God, who is who is three parts. Three and one, we're three and one. It's just part of God's image on us. But you have a spirit and I have a spirit. If we read in the Bible, that's lowercase s yeah. that we read. My spirit. That's the eternal part of us that is going to come out of our body one day when we die. Uh, and go to be with the Lord, or if he, or if the Lord comes back in our lifetime, that's 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 the part of us that's going to be in a now resurrected body. Right. Um, but that's really who we are: is our spirit. We we are a spirit. We live in a. We have a soul, and we live in a body. When I speak in tongues, it's actually my spirit, man, mm-hmm. speaking to God. Yeah. So it's me. The Holy Spirit unlocks it. The Holy Spirit empowers that. The Holy Spirit is like the electricity right. that causes that to happen. He's not the, well, we just said he's not a force, but he's not the electricity. <laughs> he's the one that plugs us into yeah. the power yeah. to do that. Uh, he's, uh, you can even think of it this way. He's the, he's the linguist coach mm-hmm. that teaches our spirit man how to speak. He's the Google translate. He's yeah. the Google for translate. The nerds right? out there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that teaches us how to speak that language. And you and I know when, when we, when we first, uh, you know, stepped into that, our language didn't sound then like it does now. Right. Mine's grown. It's developed. Mm-hmm. It's the same way of learning to talk as a child. You start off with syllables. You start out with just simple words. And the more and more that you use it, the more and more you practice it, it takes on an eloquence, eloquence. It takes on a shape. It takes on a form. But when we speak in tongues, not and the same is true with, with the gift of tongues. That's still our spirit, man. Mm-hmm. Or, sorry, public gift of tongues. Yeah. I'll put it to you this way. It's not that the public gift of tongues and the private prayer language of tongues are two separate things. They're actually the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's just some people are prompted to speak that in a public way. The intended audience is the, different. The intended is audience. Is that a way to say it? But, well, this, this, this will clarify. Um, I have a gift for public communication, which means I stand in front of people and talk for a living. But all of us are communicators. We communicate to our spouse. But some people have a grace to communicate best in a group of about two, two, uh, two, two to five people in a small group setting, maybe in, in 10 to 12. Just because they have a gift of communication that way doesn't mean that that same gift of communication is on them to public speak in the way that I do. There are some people that are just not gifted to do it. The same way there's people that are just not gifted to sing. Everybody can sing, but not everybody wants to listen to you sing unless you're you're gifted to sing, right? (laughs) To me, it's the same thing with a gift of tongues publicly. It's something about being able to publicly communicate your spirit, your spirit is able to publicly communicate things in another language that is in a public speaking context that somebody with another gift 
uh, is not able to do. Does that, does that help? Yeah. Kind of make sense a little bit. That's kind of how I see it. Yeah. Um, in in that line, but still, even with the public, uh, gift or working of a tongue, that is still your spirit, man, speaking to, to people, something that God has to say. Um, so anyway, that was the point, Claire, I want to make. It's not the Holy Spirit using you <laughs> as a puppet. Well, I, I hope that was very helpful for people because um, I know that's an issue that, that people wrestle with. So yes. if, you know, if anything else, um, I hope people take away that that it's not spooky. It's Mm-mm. not weird. Mm-mm. It's it's a partnership thing. It's based on a relationship. And just because it's different doesn't doesn't mean um, or that it may make you uncomfortable doesn't mean that you have to stay there. Like you can, you can learn about it. You can dive in more, you can figure it out and, mm-hmm. and God will reveal it to you. He will. He will. You know, we don't have any gospel accounts of any of the disciples speaking in other tongues until Jesus left and sent the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I personally believe part of that is one of the reasons why Jesus says it's better for me to go because there's more things like that they get unlocked in our life that he knew it only happened in his absence. That's awesome. Well, I know we got to come to an end in this conversation. Um, I don't know exactly how long we've been going, but, um, you know, I always feel at the end of these, like we're just getting started. Me too. (laughs) We could do a couple more. Yeah. Maybe we should. Maybe we should. I don't know. No promises, but um, I hope that this conversation has really been helpful to you uh, out there who are listening. And, you know, if you want to know more, uh, as Pastor Zach mentioned before, the free teachings that are available on Pastor Dwayne's website, pastordwayne.com, are very helpful in diving really deep on this. has tons of scripture references, tons of, of walking through the scripture to understand this and what the Bible actually says about it. Um, but I, my hope and our hope is just that this conversation, this candid conversation around these topics gives you a, a good starting point and helps maybe bring some clarities to some things that you were confused about. And at the very least, uh, you know, sparks a hope and a hunger in you to deepen your relationship with the Holy Spirit. So, uh, Pastor Zach, would you just pray for the people who are listening? Close us out and, uh, and we'll wrap it up. Absolutely. Father, we are so thankful to you for who you are in our lives. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, the one that brings us into relationship with you, empowers us by his Holy Spirit to know you and for you to know us. That's our heart's desire. Holy Spirit, thank you for connecting us to the heart of God. Thank you for connecting us in a deeper way to the teachings of Christ, what it means to walk with him, what it means to carry his yoke, what it means to walk in step with who our Lord Jesus is. Father, I thank you for everyone that's listening to this, that you would grow them in grace, that you would give them a peace that surpasses understanding any difficult situation or circumstance in their life that they're currently facing, that you would meet them where they are and that you would just captivate them with your love. I pray for those that are searching, that are eager to learn, that are eager to step into a spirit-filled and a spirit-empowered life. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would reveal in deep ways, heart to heart, what's accessible to them, that, Lord Jesus, you would lead them into a place of being able to connect with your Holy Spirit, and that the things that we've said today would be an encouragement, would be uplifting to those that are seeking after you. 
We thank you for blessing us. Thank you, Father, for preserving us in the unity of the Spirit and in the bond of peace. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks again, Pastor Zach, for spending the time with us today. 